one of the biggest things we've got to understand is that people are coming to us for solutions. They're not coming to us for exercises. Now, solutions may be in the form of exercise. It may be in the form of recovery. It may be in the form of movement, however that looks. You're listening to the Fitness Industry Podcast, powered by Australian Fitness Network. For articles, resources, and inspiration to grow your fitness business and career, go to fitnessnetwork.com.au, where you can also find a huge range of online courses, many of them accredited for CECs and other professional development credits, with up to a massive 30% savings for members of Australian Fitness Network. And for an amazing weekend of face-to-face learning, be sure to register for Filex, the main event on the fitness industry calendar at filex.com.au. Ian O'Dwyer, also simply known as OD, is a movement practitioner and educator who aspires to lead and innovate the wellbeing industry. In this chat with the fitness industry podcast's Bell Fong, he discusses self-osteomyofascial applications, giving clients what they need physically, mentally and emotionally, and the importance of self-care for trainers. All right, OD, welcome to the Fitness Industry Podcast. Thank you, Belle Fong. Fantastic to be here. So tell us a little bit about SOMA and how you came up with this movement philosophy. SOMA was born, I guess, through an association of wanting people to move, feel and live better. And Rodney Corn and myself were both co-founders of PTA Global and we'd introduced some different techniques and applications into PTA Global. And when PTA Global got sold... It was almost like it was unfinished business because people had got a taste of what we did but not really understood the whole essence of really what it's about. So SOMA, which is a Greek word for body, but SOMA stands for self-osteomyofascial application, so self being the big thing. And the biggest thing we're seeing, Bell, is people are now being broken in our industry everywhere. The numbers are huge. And you know as an athlete that it's really easy to focus on performance and getting better, but if we don't help the tissues heal, if we don't get breathing techniques, if we don't get the best movement for ourselves, well, then we're not going to get the best outcomes and you're certainly not going to have longevity. So self-osteo, obviously we look at the really bony sections of the body, which is really important. For years, we've sort of only looked at the muscular sections, but now we're sort of, from our perspective, we're noticing that the bones are... Big, big players in, in how the body moves, feels and lives. Obviously myofascial, muscle and fascia and application. So what we really are is a collaborative company. We're a, we're a company that really is a self-care tissue management organisation that helps people move, feel and live better, simple. And the applications we have are self-fascial mobilisers, self-osteofascial engagement, which is where we use the roller. So once again, we go to the bony sections, self-fascial release, and also, which is which is more about the myofascia. And then the last one is the self-isometric activation, which is using Greg Roscoff's techniques. We're doing stuff with Greg, he's phenomenal. And it's really about getting low intensity, short duration activation, talking to the brain, getting the muscles to do what they're designed to do. Yeah, cool. As movement coaches, PTs or fitness instructors, we're constantly prescribing exercise for clients but you'd argue that maybe it may not stack up why is that exercise is is an interesting thing i think one of the biggest things we've got to understand is that people are coming to us for solutions they're not coming to us for exercises now solutions may be in the form of exercise it may be in the form of recovery it may be in the form of movement however that looks so the biggest thing is if if we are going to give someone an exercise we need to understand what they're client really needs Mm -hmm. what they need physically what they need emotionally and what they need mentally Mm -hmm. does the exercise match 
their needs? Mm -hmm. Does it match their environment? Does it match their enjoyment? Do they enjoy actually doing the Mm. exercise? Because if they don't, well, straight away, if they're not enjoying something, that's going to change the response of the tissues, which means it's going to change the outcome of the human's choices. Okay, so how does a PT go about examining their client's ability to move and handle the forces that come into their body and why is it important? That is a great question. I could honestly say I don't know, but that would be a waste of time. (laughs) So the biggest thing that we've found from a summer perspective is, one, let's get the clients to do some patterns that, one, they need to be able to do on a daily basis. So we might say they've got a sit and reach pattern or they've got a stepping pattern. You might say it's a a squat or a lunge. We might get them to do something that goes from the ground to stand or in a supine or a prone position on the floor. And we might get them to do something moving like gait. And in their gait, they may do some different types of reaches just to see how their body responds. Once you start challenging people with various types of movements, unweighted, so with no no resistance, it gives them a chance to actually feel what their tissues are doing. Once they can sort of feel what their tissues are doing, it's almost then becomes a self-select. They start to understand. They need you as the coach to be able to guide them into what the exercise might look like. But once they can sort of go, well, you know what, when I move left, my left hip really feels strong. When I go to my right, it doesn't feel quite as. So that just gives you an understanding now that they're feeling that they need something to happen on that right side. So whether you gave them a single leg balance with a, a hip activation exercise or a band exercise or whatever it may be, what that's gonna do now is enable the relationship with you and the client to become stronger because you're listening to what they've said, you're giving them a feeling of, oh, okay, this is actually working. And more importantly, you're probably gonna see that they don't move as well to that side and they're actually reaffirming that. So it's a great relationship because now it takes the guesswork out of it. What we see a lot of times isn't congruent to what they're feeling. And what we've found from a SOMA perspective, if we don't connect with our clients with feel, then what we see really doesn't matter to the client. And so when people are coming to do your SOMA courses, for example, are they coming because they need to fix something themselves or maybe do you find that people are coming because they have clients that are, you know, have restrictions in some way or? Do you know anyone in the industry who doesn't have some type of pain? (laughs) Not one person I know, not one trainer, not one coach, not one athlete. We all suffer pain. We all have some type of dysfunction. I've had three days down here, I'm in a strange bed, I'm not getting enough sleep, you know, I'm eating strange food, I'm not getting a chance to work out, my body's gonna have some sore spots. So unless I do something for it, well then it's going to say, hey, take notice. What do I do? Well, I've gotta give myself some movement patterns so I can then start to get investigative and find out what it needs. Everyone, everyone comes because they've got their own issues. And that's okay. What we need to be able to do is identify the tissues with the issues that we can then get a positive outcome with. Tissues and issues. Did you come up with that or? That's been around a while. (laughs) Okay, so what top three strategies or any strategies really would you recommend to correct movement patterns to optimise safety, efficiency and performance? Wow. Top three strategies. I think the first one is you've got to connect with with the person. When you, what, say, when you say connect, yeah, what, that, what do you mean? Yeah, that's a, that, that, connection is really mm. is empowering the person to know that what you're doing is about them. So in other words, if I'm a true coach, I leave my bias behind. I don't bring my, in other words, if, you know, if I'm a TRX person or I'm a Viper person or I'm, I'm a rubber band person or I'm a, whatever the tool may be that I've trained in, that I'm a master trainer in, for instance, I don't just use those tools. I have to find out what my client wants first 
and then I can apply the most relevant tool to them. So all tools are fantastic, Mm -hmm. but unless it's something they want to use, then what's going to happen is that they're not going to actually get the result. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you an example. Me being an ex-AFL player and me being spent most of my life with horses, I've got a real emotional anchor to leather. So the smell of leather is just something that really resonates with me. So if you bring a football out, if you bring out something that's leather, whether it be a medicine ball or something that's leather, it emotionally gives Mm -hmm. me a happiness inside. So now I want to play. I want to move that thing. I want to get involved with that thing. So the biggest strategy I've found over the years is if we can emotionally connect, find out what the hobbies are that the person has, find out what their occupation is, find out what their what their sport has been that they've played, and what you'll find is you'll be able to pull some information out of those three questions that enables you to pick, choose, and implement not only the movements that they want or enjoy, but also the types of tools that they're going to get the best results with. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, cool. So there's been a recent surge in fitness challenges like F45 playoffs, CrossFit games, you know, even races like Tough Mudder, many people injuring themselves due to lack of effective motion. What do you think is the best way to create effective motion so that that person can perform safely and effectively? Firstly, let's define what effective motion is. And this is, once again, Belle, that thing about the industry. You know, we've we've got the buzzwords, right? Like first it was core and then it was fascia and then it was high intensity training. And so, and now, you know, function came in and vibration came in. All these buzzwords come in and people jump on board and say, right, so I'm doing functional training when in fact most of them are actually just doing compound movements, but they're doing sets of them against the clock. So, and there's nothing wrong with that. But what we've got to start to understand is that when we start to become competitive in a three-dimensional type challenge whatever that may look like, whether it's a ball sport, whether it's a team sport, whether it's tough matter, whatever the sport may be, we've got to condition the tissues to be able to do that. So in other words, the tissues need rhythm and timing. They need to be able to work in a sequence that allows the muscles to produce force and the fascia to mitigate the force. So it takes it away from that area. We need to create lots of variability in that preparation, in that programming, because the tissues really don't like repetitive movement. And tissues need variation to pump and hydrate the tissues that run across each other and and bypass each other to keep that ability for them to move. They need three-dimensionality. They need different heights, distances, and directions of movement. Once again, that's just another way of conditioning the tissues in preparation of, if I've got to move that direction, I can. Integration's a big one. Does my ankle, my knee, my hip, and my T-spine, are they all working within the confines of this movement and probably the biggest one is threshold working people within a threshold that's not stressing the tissue in a distress but stressing it in a eustress and that's a major one because without understanding a person's threshold we can actually condition them to break down because if we're constantly pushing them outside their threshold, they won't have enough time to recover. They certainly won't have enough time to heal. And then when they go into the event, all of a sudden now you're going to get, you're going to have energy leaks, you're going to have a decrease in fuel efficiency, and you're also going to have injuries. So it's really important that we have those five, those five areas of motion covered so that when people go to compete, they're ready for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. So we work in an industry where trainers are always looking after clients, but what about self-care? What, what advice would you give to trainers, coaches, practitioners who are struggling with their own health issues? Well, the first thing I'd say is you probably need to look at SOMA 
but that would be very biased of me. Self-care is huge. And, and this is something, unfortunately, that we don't look at ourselves. You know, a lot of people get into the industry because they've experienced an amazing result or, you know, they've had a, a great change in their life and, and they want to do the same for someone else, which is fantastic. But in that process, and you and I both know, the energy it takes to work with people, to help people, to create an experience, it really is draining. And we need to be able to replace that somehow, whether it's through a breathing session, whether it's through doing a session that enables us to get some sunlight, whether it's through changing our environmental drivers so that we're not being pushed and shoved and dragged all over the place, but actually having some me time, really, really important. And also too, one of the biggest things for self-care is to actually get some self-help, some self-treatment. There's nothing better than, and we all know people who have got magical hands who are what I term as healers, to actually get some work done on yourself because it's so important for not only your physical tissue, but your emotional tissue and your mental tissue. And I feel that when we're, when we're getting to the end of the day and we've had clients coming in and we're trying to produce our best results, if we don't do that, then our ability to think under pressure, to act under pressure and to perform under pressure is obviously going to be compromised. When you talk about self-care, if a trainer was to come to you and say, you know, say that they were really struggling either with an injury or with energy levels, if there was kind of like a blanket, I don't know, top five of, you know, I guess rules of self-care that yep. you would impart on them, what, would, what kind of advice would you give them? Like, are you going to suggest massage or physio or, you know, what, what are your kind of tips? I think the greatest thing about anyone who comes to you it's a privilege that they're coming to you for guidance. So the biggest thing it has got to get back to is what do they want? Now, that's a really big question. You know, if people are coming to you because they're in pain, what's driving the pain? There's always something that drives the pain. You know, is it nutrition? Is it hydration? Is it excessive movement, repetitive movement? Is it the fact they're not, they're not sleeping well? Is it an emotional thing? Is their business struggling? Are they struggling financially? Are they having relationship problems? Is there a self-efficacy or self-esteem issue happening? There's always a reason for what's going on. And once we can define what those reasons are, and generally just by simply asking some questions, how can I best help you today? And can we just look at some areas that may be driving this discomfort or pain? If we can just gently uncover some of those, those areas, what you'll find is that they'll start to identify what the problem is. Then the choice is once again back to them. I have a great referral system. I have great allied health professionals in Noosa that I can refer to. So they make the choice of where they want to go, but they can't until they can identify what the problem is. Mm-hmm. So realistically, it's about, you know, we spoke before about listening. Well, listening is, is crucial because the connection is about really having someone be heard. I had a lady come in about three months ago and it was quite interesting. She's about 63 or four. And she came in and she said, oh, friends referred me to you, you know, you do certain things. And I said, you know, what could we do for you? What do you really want? She said, I want to get strong. Now it's interesting because Belle, you and I, from a strength perspective, we'd say, okay, so she wants to get strong to lift or to push or to, be, to feel stronger. Upon a few more questions, she wanted to be heard. So it's interesting because we did some breathing and then we did a couple of self-fascial mobilizers just to allow her to actually get some vitality and some confidence and some awareness. And she got up and she said, I can't believe how much better I feel. So it's interesting, isn't it, that we need to define what they want, but we also need to then define what's driving their need or their want. Mm. 
So by understanding what strong meant to her, mm-hmm. I could then say, right, let's apply some simple processes that now we'll see what goes on. And every time we did something, I would just check back in. How's that feel? How's that feel? How's that feel? Because at the end of the day, the person knows them better than we know them. And, you know, our industry drives trainers in a direction where they think that we need to know the answers. And the truth is we don't know the answers. And that puts an added pressure on us to have to perform or to have to succeed. And if we can just understand, you know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You care nine times out of 10, people are going to feel better even if you did nothing more than breathing because that's the biggest thing is that we don't have the connection in our society that we once had. We don't have that connection, which means we don't know who to trust. So it's just really important to always understand that it's got to be about them when it comes to a decision-making process like that. And the funny part about that is it can't be about them if you're not well. So this self-care is really super important and it's an area that we've really got to be aware of because at the end of the day, it's our longevity, it's our passion and it's our business. And if we don't self-care, then we're not going to have any of those to, to, to go on with. Mm. Speaking of self-care, do you, I mean, obviously I think it's more, I guess it's become more prominent, I guess, in the last year with fitness trends kind of going up and down and what's going to be the latest trend. In addition to self-care, is there anything that you see in 2019, kind of 2020 as being the next big thing, you know, obviously we've gone through things like body weight training and, you know, high intensity interval training, you know, myofascial release, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Well, the hardest part with our industry is we, we just want to break things and fragment things into areas. So do we need high intensity training? Yes, we do. Would my clients do a whole session of it? No, they wouldn't. Why? Because they also need some ground to stand. We might call it animal flow. They also might need some strength. I might use a Viper or a whole body vibration or they may need some suspension training. They'll also need some recovery. They'll also need some stability. They'll also need some some reaction drills. So they, they need everything in a session. How do I program that? So self-care really gets back to is we've got to put things together. We've got to bring all into our program in just little bits. That's what creates self-care. That's what creates healthy tissue. Tissue wants to be taken notice of. Tissue wants to be wants to be moved and it wants to be caressed and it wants to be touched. We're pack animals. The skin reacts to touch, which is really important. So we have tools that we can touch the skin with. We've got whole body vibration we can touch the skin with that will help the healing process. We've got our hands that we can touch the skin with, depending upon the client's style, whether they like being touched. So self-care really is, for me, it's not exclusive. And when we have these things that we've just spoken about, they're exclusive. Mm. They're working by themselves. Well, that doesn't make sense because we need everything to be inclusive. I want my 80-year-olds to be able to do animal flow, however that looks, but they couldn't do a 45-minute session of animal flow. But that doesn't say that animal flow is not good. That just means that their threshold is only two minutes. So it has to be inclusive because I need them to be able to get from the ground to standing because that's an everyday challenge. I need them to be able to breathe. I need them to be able to run across the room quickly just in case they got to cross Liverpool Street and then my lights change to red. So they need all these things to be inclusive. And I, I guess that's the art of coaching is that is it's being able to apply the tools when we need it and to apply the tools on us when we need it, to take the time to check in with us to find out where we are. So I feel that the trends for 20 and beyond, what I'm seeing is now is that 
we are looking more for craftspeople than we are for knowledge. The research and science is really important, but unless you can apply it, unless you have a craft that you can apply, then you're not going to get the solutions or create the solutions that you need. So people will, you know, people have gone away from face-to-face and gone back to online learning, and that's fantastic, but you need the face-to-face workshop so that you can actually see, feel, listen, and observe to what tissue does inside a human being and how you can actually get that to be effective for you. So if a trainer, I guess, wanted to get on the pathway to self-care, I guess, what would you recommend as the first steps? That's a really good question because once again, I could be biased and say Soma. (laughs) Because really what we've done, this is the reason Soma's become alive for us is because we're seeing people not self-caring and we're seeing people constantly, you know, running into disease. I mean, look at how many people in our industry, in our industry who are trainers and coaches who are having hip replacements, knee replacements and various types of other health issues. And that's very close to my heart because of the fact that I have a challenge with my health and we've got to make sure that if I don't do certain things, then that will be effective, which I don't want to shorten my lifespan, whatever that may be. I think that if I said to, said to anyone, what's the very first thing you do? As I'd say, stop, turn off your phones, turn off your laptops, go into a room, be silent and just feel. That might take you five minutes and just feel and let your body sink into the floor, let your brain not think about anything and that will be the hardest thing and just feel. Because I feel that we've got so far away from having the confidence and the permission to do that, that we don't really and aren't really aware of what our tissues are doing. So if you could do that, then all of a sudden we start to become aware of what is happening both in and outside of our tissues. And then what we can do to apply after that is is endless. Yeah, awesome. Thanks so much for your time, OD. If listeners want to find out more information about you or the SOMA course, where do they need to go? They can either go to www.feelsoma.com. They can go to www.odonmovement.com. There's links, there's information there. Of course, we've got our Facebook and we've also got our Instagram. Well, they can, they can get me at ian at odonmovement.com. Awesome. Thanks so much for talking to the Fitness Industry Podcast. Thanks, Belle Fong. Take care. To learn effective coaching and behaviour change techniques, check out Network's online course, Coaching Skills for Maximal Client Results, accredited for CECs and other continuing education points. Go to the Network website, select the Courses tab, and click on Coaching and Behaviour Change. Members of Australian Fitness Network save 25% on this course, so head to fitnessnetwork.com.au to grow your skill set and fitness career today. And for an amazing weekend of face-to-face learning, be sure to register for Filex, the main event on the fitness industry calendar at filex.com.au.